Welcome to Faith and Family. I'm Andy Bates. Reading is an important part of every child's education. How do we encourage children to read and to read more and read yet more? You're listening to Faith and Family. I'm Andy Bates. Thanks to our friends at Concordia University, Wisconsin, their great support of Faith and Family on Worldwide KFUO. Check them out on our website, kfuo.org. Look for Concordia University, Wisconsin in the sponsor section. Joining me today, Dylan Toit. He's the Plum Creek Children's Literacy Festival Director and Interim Literacy Faculty at Concordia University in Nebraska. Dylan, welcome to Faith and Family. Hi, thanks for having me this morning. A pleasure to have you with us today and to learn about the Plum Creek Children's Literacy Festival that's, uh, that's coming up. Uh, Dylan, tell me about your background and uh, why you got involved. Let's start with why you got involved with children's literacy. Sure. Well, it all uh, ties back to the festival. Um, I was a Concordia student. Uh, 2007 was my freshman year here at uh, Seward, Nebraska, and... Um, I came in not as an education major, uh, but I was roped into helping with the festival. And <laughs> as I was helping with the festival, I witnessed what uh, a powerful event it was and what an impact it had on the children. And, and I said, if this is what education is, is about, then count me in. And so I switched majors and became an education major and stayed involved with the festival during the the remainder of my years as an undergrad student, um, as a volunteer. And I graduated in 2012 with an early childhood degree. And from there, I moved on to Emanuel Lutheran School in Belvedere, Illinois, where I taught first grade. And I came back uh, my first year as a teacher for the festival because it was just something I, I had come to love, and I said, I can't miss it. So I, I d- took the liberty to drive to Seward um, for the adult conference portion of the festival. And I came back to my first grade classroom, and I was so excited about all I had experienced. And, and uh, I tried to uh, convey that excitement to my students, but it, it just wasn't the same as having uh, an author in their presence. And so I decided, well, the festival is too far to bring uh, children eight hours from Illinois to Nebraska. And so I created a smaller version of the festival at my school uh, in Belvedere. And uh, we involved area school children, and I did that for two years. And then um, the, the ladies who had the job before me emailed me and said, hey, the position is opening. Uh, for Plum Creek back at Seward if you're interested. And so I applied for the job, and now I get the privilege to be the director of the festival. You mentioned that attending the festival early on, that you saw something that made you change your your, your whole career path from yeah. your previous major to education. What was it that you saw in this literacy festival that 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 made you change careers? Well, you know, uh, when, I, when I thought about education, I thought about, you know, the, the, the sage on the stage kind of model of, of teaching where teachers are up front um, dumping information into them. But this kind of shed a new light, uh, seeing authors interact and seeing children I- engaged in various liter- literacy activities. Um, it was just a, a magic 
of, of education that I had not seen the side of before, um, be outside of the classroom walls. And um, children were were engaged and excited and 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 over the moon um, to to be holding a book and they were laying on the grass reading and they were sitting up against the walls reading while they were waiting for their next session. It was just it was unlike anything I had seen before. What is literacy? How would you define literacy today? Well. We've kind of moved as an education system from the term reading instruction to the all-encompassing literacy instruction. And literacy includes uh, speaking, uh, listening, reading, and writing. And they're all so powerfully intertwined. Um, and, and so it, literacy includes all, all four of those components. And um, uh, powerful instruction usually happens when teachers make an effort to integrate all four of those uh, components. How would you describe the importance of literacy for children today? How would you describe the importance of literacy for children today as an important part of their education? How does it fit into that overall plan? Well, um, I would argue that that reading is the most important um, subject that, that children uh, have in school, frankly, because literacy is the sea on which all of the other subject boats float. Um, you see, you can't read <clears throat> math problems if you don't know how to read. You can't um, comprehend science textbooks if you don't have comprehension skills. Um, you can't learn about the past if you don't uh, know vocabulary strategies. Uh, it's it's so important for uh, teachers to understand that <clears throat> literacy is truly the foundation on which all of the other subjects are built. Um, it it uh, it has it, it should be the central focus of of classrooms across the United States today. So it's it's an important foundation to all other subjects or disciplines that one might study in school, whether as children or uh, as they grow into to youth and teens and, and college students. Having that strong foundation in literacy can make a huge difference in a child's education. Right. And, uh, research has shown that those people who uh, don't stop reading, in other words, who, who continue reading as a habit throughout their life are shown to be more empathetic and more um, they they're shown to be better off in society and so our goal is not to create simply students who know how to read but students who are lifelong readers and it's important that we that all of our instruction and our practices uh, do things that don't harm somebody's uh, passion for reading but do everything that they can to encourage it what about, what about parents? What role do parents play in literacy? We'll talk about teachers, too, in a moment. Let's start with parents. What role do they play? What, can, what impact can they have on literacy? Well, they're their, their child's number one teacher. If you add up the number of hours that a teacher has with a, a student in a year compared to what a parent has with a student, the parent is the child's number one teacher. And when I was a classroom teacher, I always emphasized that uh, with the parents um, that were in my classes, I said, I'm with the students for part of the day, but you are their biggest influence. You are their biggest role model. 
And so uh, Jim Trelease has done uh, an extensive amount of work um, with Reading Aloud. I think his Reading Aloud handbook is in the seventh edition. And he stresses the importance of reading to your child from day one at least 15 minutes a day. Hmm. And students who were, and it was, it was obvious to me as a teacher, which of my students were read to from early on and which ones were not receiving regular read-aloud time at home. And so parents need to understand that as they're reading to children, they're not only starting to spark a passion for reading, but they're also developing crucial skills. And, and the students that were excelling in reading were excelling because they had seen those letters on the pages before. Um, they had heard vocabulary words. We, we learn a lot, not necessarily by reading, but also by hearing. And so a lot of texts have, have vocab, deep vocabulary words. And so students who come into school who have been read to every day of their life before kindergarten come in with, with such a richer vocabulary than students who haven't. And so if you're a parent and you know this, it, it's, it's so important that you don't, you can't unlearn what you know. And so it's important that you take this information into consideration and, and do all you can to make sure your child starts off with a strong start. What, a, what role do teachers play in literacy? How do teachers contribute? I, I would imagine this is just as big. Yeah, absolutely. Um, so teachers um, uh, need to do practices that uh, model a love for reading and encourage a love for reading. And so teachers need to um, show themselves as readers. And, and there's a study of, done called the Peter Effect, and in this study, it was found that um, teachers who were not passionate about reading in front of their students uh, had students that were not passionate about reading, and, stu- and teachers who were passionate about uh, reading had students who were passionate about reading. And so I share this study now with my undergrad students, and, you know, when after they read it, they look at me and they say, so if I don't like reading, it's, it's detrimental to my students, and I said, well, not necessarily. It's all about the attitude that you have. Um, if, if you um, portray yourself as a reader, whether you are or not, um, you, you, want to, you want to make sure you're doing everything you can to um, build these relationships with the readers. And so uh, even if you're not a reader, don't let your, your students know that. Make sure they, they think of you as a reader because you're their role models, and, they, and you come in with a book and you say, boy, I was tired last night. I was, I was in bed reading until 12 a.m. because the book I read was so good. Well, they see that you love reading that much, and it will translate over into their lives, too, because they oftentimes look up to you and their parents. Um, and then it's all about having a, a, a great access to books in the classroom. Um, uh, students, you know, it's, it's, it's like, you know, swimmers can't learn how to swim if there's no water in the pool and readers can't learn how to read if there are no books in the classroom. And so it's so important to have a well-stocked classroom library with, with access to a variety of titles, genres, authors, and topics. I remember in grade school, uh, that, I remember a couple of my teachers, one in particular, who 
who had scheduled and unscheduled uh, drop everything and read time yep. in, <clears throat> in our classroom time. And as a student, you know, and our teacher did a fine job of modeling that she was a reader. She did that very well because that was time for her to read as well. Everyone would drop everything and read. Right. I, as a as a student, uh, I, I've I, I was I found it difficult one because I was not a great reader, and so reading was not as enjoyable for me as it was probably for other students. Uh, I I just wasn't a strong reader at the time. But also because, especially the unscheduled ones, uh, the unscheduled drop everything and read were so challenging for me because I knew that I needed that time to get my other work done that I didn't have done yet. And I saw reading more at that time as something, you know, it was something fun. It wasn't necessarily an assignment that I needed to complete to, to, to turn in that day or the next day because I was a little bit slower on some of the other work that I was doing. And so I always found that very challenging and uncomfortable as a student that, that drop everything and read uh, in the classroom. As a, The scheduled time wasn't as difficult, but the, the unscheduled one was a bit awkward as a child. Right. And, and I can see, um, you know, Richard Allington put out an uh, article in um, an issue of uh, education leadership, and he said that there are six non-negotiables that should happen in, in every elementary classroom uh, every day for powerful reading instruction. And the number one thing he said was to have time for independent reading. And so when teachers give students time to read uninterrupted, and it, it's, it's your practice time. It's, it may not see, and, and if reading is truly enjoyable, it, it doesn't really seem like work, but, but that's, that's your time for practice and to put into play um, all of the skills you're learning. It, it happens subconsciously, you know. If, if your teacher has taught you that morning about um, inferring, uh, your, your brain is naturally going to start making inferences in your reading. And so it's important uh, it, I applaud teachers who are allowing students choice and not saying, this is a class novel, we're going to give everybody a copy of the same book, and we're all going to read, but giving them choice so that they have that freedom to um, self-select what they read, and they're, they're reading something that they love, and it doesn't seem like work, it, it, it builds pleasure. And the more pleasure connections we can make with reading as opposed to the pain connections is so tremendously beneficial. How do we encourage children to enjoy reading or writing and books? How do we encourage them to enjoy these things that, that make up literacy? Well, it all boils down to opportunity for choice and self-selection. And, uh, you know, there's a big push for um, programs to uh, use a, a leveling system, uh, perhaps, uh, that um, has books leveled. And, and sometimes levels should be viewed as, as, a, as a tool, not a guideline. And so sometimes teachers fall into the trap of saying, okay, you're at a level H, so you can only read books in the level H level. But what if my favorite series was at a, a level um, E and I want to keep reading my favorite series. So it's important that while we provide them opportunities to practice at their level, we also need to not limit them to a certain, uh, certain strict set of rules uh, that would 
limit their choice and opportunity to read what they enjoy. You mentioned earlier that uh, at the the Plum Creek Children's Literacy Festival, your your first time there, you saw children reading because they wanted to, reading in between their sessions and and uh, just on the grass, uh, you know, leaning up against the wall, uh, just all over the place, uh, taking advantage of that that free time to read. How do we nurture that 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 you know take advantage of this this time to to read? We live in such um, busy and hurried lives with a uh, number of activities begging for our time. How do we encourage children to to redeem that time and enjoy a good book? Well, it 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 kind of goes. It's 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 a battle now with all of these devices uh, and and technology. And uh, when I was young, um, I remember. I you know we didn't have have those kinds of devices. Uh, I had usually two options if I was bored. I could go outside or I could read a book. And I only chose, I, I did both, but I didn't mind reading a book because my parents from the beginning read to me, showed me, modeled to me what, what an enjoyable reading activity is. And, and oftentimes, you know, we, we see... I've witnessed so many times where parents are with children and they need to keep their children occupied, so they hand them an iPad. Uh, but and and that certainly keeps the child quiet and and entertained. But what about handing them a book? And what about uh, instead of thinking automatically to hand them an iPad, what can we do that uh, not necessarily? I'm not saying technology is bad, but what can we do to also help them stay engaged and focused? with a book. The Plum Creek Literacy Festival is coming up uh, in September. Tell me a little bit about what's happening this year at the Plum Creek Literacy Festival. We have lots of things uh, in store for this year. Uh, This is our 22nd year. Um, We have 15 authors and illustrators coming, and we are expecting uh, 15,000 participants between the three days. Um, The first day, Thursday, we have authors visiting area schools um, in local communities. We have five authors going to 15 uh, Lincoln Elementary and Middle Schools, speaking to large crowds there. We have one author going to Omaha Public Schools. Um, then Friday, we have about 5,000 children that come to Concordia University, Nebraska's campus. And they're here, and we, we use every possible venue that we can here on campus. Um, we put authors there, and, and children are scheduled uh, to see authors. And in between, they have opportunities to see. We have on loan an exhibit of original pop-up book art. Um, and we also have literacy on the lawn activities, which are <laughs> games and other activities that are related to books. And then Saturday is the adult conference day. We get about 700 uh, teachers, librarians, and book lovers on campus who are growing as professionals, listening to authors and other literacy experts in the field. Uh, And then we have a celebratory luncheon. And this year's uh, featured speaker is Newbery medalist Patricia McLaughlin. From your perspective, why is it meaningful for students, for children, to meet authors and illustrators? Well, it's, you know, it's, 
it's important. It is. It inspires. There's something about meeting an author face to face that that yeah, oh, a real person did this, and and hearing their story and and hearing them talk about their book. There's something about that. But most of the authors come with a with a strong message that um, I I'm doing this because I followed my dreams. And, and you know, not every student who attends is going to be an author or illustrator. But so we're not only encouraging reading and writing, but encouraging them to follow their dreams. Um, you know, follow, keep up at it, keep doing hard work, be determined, um, stay focused, and you can be like these authors and illustrators. And maybe someday you can have your dream career too. I understand that, that Friday is the Children's Day and Saturday is more of the adult conference. Um, a, a little bit more about what's happening on the Children's Day, and then we'll get into the adult conference here in just a moment. So the Children's Day is when we have the 5,000 uh, children on campus, and we have three sectionals scheduled over the course of the day. And usually schools uh, get to go to two. And then, like I said before, in between, they'll do those activities on the lawn and get to visit places on campus. Uh, it's, it's, it's my favorite day of the year um, <laughs> to, to see all of those children here and all of them, uh, all of us working towards the same goal of inspiring them. And then the adult conference is five sectionals over the course of the day uh, with the same authors and illustrators that were here uh, the previous two days, as well as literacy experts um, who who teach about reading strategies and uh, and reading instruction in the classroom. How do we register for either the Children's Day or the Adult Conference? Anything, any uh, part of the uh, the Plum Creek Children's Literacy Festival? So the Children's Day fills up pretty fast. Uh, we open registration in January, and it's usually filled uh, within a couple weeks, <laughs> and we have a waiting list. So if you're hearing this and you want to come, I would encourage you to go ahead and fill, in your re- fill out your registration, and then for next year, you're on the first priority list for attending. And if you want to attend the adult conference, uh, you can visit our website at www.cune.edu slash Plum Creek. And there are all the links and forms you need to register for the adult conference on Saturday the 30th. And the only limit to that is that uh, we can have as many attendees as as want to come, but our only limitation is that we have 400 uh, people limited to attend the luncheon due to space. Very good. Well, we will share the link. The, the archive of today's program as well to the uh, Plum Creek Children's Literacy Festival. My guest today, Dylan Toit, he's the Plum Creek Children's Literacy Festival Director and Interim Literacy Faculty at Concordia University in Nebraska. Dylan, thanks so much for sharing with us today and God's blessings on the upcoming festival. Thank you. It was, it was a pleasure to be here. Coming up in just a little bit, not only do, is it important for children to learn Uh, literacy and reading, but what about literacy when it comes to the divine service and understanding the aspects of the divine service where God comes to us with his good gifts? You're listening to Faith and Family on Worldwide KFUO. Mm -hmm. 